your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm here in your hands. This is my confidence, Lord. You've never failed me. Seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe. I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You move the mountain. And I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way. And I Work in your favor. Hallelujah. Yeah. Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. He's gonna work in your favor. Come on, do you believe it? Say it again. Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. It's gonna work in your favor. Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around. Come on, some of us need to get that in our spirit this morning. Some of us may need to even physically just turn around. Amen. Amen. Just believing in faith that something is turning around in our favor. Amen. Come on, whatever it is that we're having to deal with, whatever obstacle it is, we prophetically declare that. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we say it again? That late in the midnight hour. Late in the midnight hour. God's gonna turn.
Hallelujah. It's going to work. Come on, do you believe that it's going to work in our favor? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise this, this morning, God. We worship you. We thank you. You're an on-time God. You are so awesome, Lord. Hallelujah.
Yes, you are. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, we thank you that you know us. You know every aspect yes. of our life. You know where we hurt yes, the most. God, we thank you that we can come to you today with our heads lifted high, knowing the God that we serve, knowing that there is a breakthrough yet ahead for us. God, we thank you that we have seen you move, and we know you're going to do it again Amen. in every situation. We've seen you move mountains in our life, but we thank you that it's going to happen again in Jesus' name. We speak to that mountain today, yes. and we tell it to get out yes. of the way. Yes. We remind ourselves of your word yes. and your promises for us, God, and we thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for healing, for miracles, to move move the hearts of those that we are praying for. God, we ask, the, God, that there would be super supernatural manifestations of your presence today in the service for physical healing. Yes. God, for breakthrough over yes, mindsets. God, we thank you for financial breakthrough. God, I, th I just give you praise. I give you glory for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So glad that each of you are tuning in. Thanks to you uh, who are coming in person service to, uh, this morning at Praise Church, our Ascension Campus. And we are so excited about what God's doing online as well. And uh, we are believing for miracles. This month, we have been declaring the supernatural power of our almighty God to be released in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what we're dealing with. We believe we serve an on-time God, that there is nothing that's too hard for for him. Amen. And so we're going to continue in this series. Pastor Garland has a fresh word, hot off the press, hot off the throne of God to deliver to us. And I am anxious to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say this morning. We want to let you know that this morning, uh, not we are streaming our 9 a.m. service, and we're also going to be streaming our 12 p.m. Um, this, uh, this morning. So you can tune in again. It'll be a replay of today's broadcast. Um, you can tune in on our website, Praise Church of Louisiana. Our Facebook fan page, Praise Church of Louisiana, our app, and also YouTube. We are excited about what God's doing in our media ministry. We're reaching thousands of people through this. And worldwide, we've had people internationally that have been tuning in every week. We've had people from Haiti, people from China. We've had people from Australia uh, that have been tuning in, uh, in addition to several aspects, uh, several states of, of our nation. And so we are excited what God is doing with this, um, with this online ministry. And we wel thanks for welcoming us into your home, um, wherever you're listening. Uh, and we're excited about what God is doing. I do want to let you know that our weekly services, for those of you who are familiar, maybe this is your first, uh, who are unfamiliar that this is your first time tuning in, we have our midweek online services, Tuesday night at 7 and Wednesday at 7, and then also we welcome you to join us Sundays at 9 a.m. online. Um, for those that are in the local area, we are in phase two right now in Louisiana, and so we have 50% occupancy. You're welcome to come in person um, as we, you know, have to go with the guidelines that are set before us, and um, we have in-person service. Is 9 a.m. at our Gonzalez campus and then 11 a.m. at our New Orleans campus. And so we invite you to come. And um, we're just excited about what God's doing. And Pastor Bev is coming to greet you and to, uh, to share with you this morning. I just want to speak a word of encouragement as uh, Josh is coming and just tell you that um, the songs that we've sang this morning, we specifically were selected uh, about miracles and about the supernatural. We want you and your faith to be charged to expect a miracle. I don't know what giant you're facing in your life right now, but those giants have to come down. 
Jesus' name, every demon trembles at the name of Jesus when spoken in authority by a believer who's pursuing God. And, and those demons are powerless. They're rendered powerless at the name of Jesus. And so problems come our way. Challenges come our way. In our audience today, one of our ladies is sitting here today who had to go to the ER this week because of problems with anemia and her blood levels, but the Lord touched her. And she's doing well, and she's here with us this morning. God is a healer. We have someone, uh, uh, one of our leaders at our church in New Orleans who we've been praying for a miracle for. Went to the doctor Monday, uh, didn't receive the, the news that they were looking for. But Friday when they went back, they already got a positive word that things are going better and that things are starting to turn around. We serve a healer. We serve, as we said, a provider. He is a awesome wonder and see something happens in your life and in my life when we praise him and we exalt him and we begin to sing in the midst of our adversity we sang a song the second song we sang this morning went into late in the midnight hour referring to the passage in acts where paul and silas in the midnight hour as they were praising and worshiping God. We don't praise because things are going bad in our life. We're not excited about that. But when we have a relationship with God, we can praise him in the midst of that adversity. And when we do that, we do what David talks about. We begin to magnify our God and exalt our God. And our problems begin to diminish in our eyes. They may still exist there. But they're diminishing because we have made God bigger. So I encourage you, take time every day. Get into his presence. Listen to some praise and worship music. Let him take you into the realms of his presence so that you, as you are exalting him, your problems are going to diminish. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David wrote that. We want to magnify our God. And when you do, and when you begin to commit to a lifestyle of praise and worship, I promise you, things are going to be changed, begin to change in your life and in the lives of those connected to you because they're going to be charged by your faith. So we love you. As Bethany said, thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks to those of you that, that are here in the building with us. We appreciate you coming out today. The thing we're the most excited about is the Lord is here. He's omnipresent. He's here with us, and he's there with you, and there's nothing our God can't do. All right. Good morning. I, uh, I'm excited uh, about all that God's doing. Amen. Uh, he's, uh, he's got a plan and, uh, you know, um, I'm going to share with you, I, don't, I hardly ever read out of the message Bible, but I'm going to read out of the message Bible today. And, uh, I'm going to read out of Psalms chapter 15, verse one through five. And, uh, I'm excited about what God's doing. I hope y'all enjoyed winning Wednesday. Um, we, we had a good time and, you know, the Lord spoke to my heart this past week and he said, I want you to start to teach on provision. Uh, and, 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 and so this Wednesday, I don't know what everyone else is going to show, but, you know, if you have vision, but you don't have provision, you can't accomplish what God has called you to do. And so um, I'm going to start to share testimonies uh, and the faithfulness of God and, and, and just really start to try to unlock resources. Come on, he has resources for us. And if we have vision, we've got to get in. But God will tell you things and he'll tell you where to invest and he'll tell you what to do. And he can set you ahead. Come on. He's given people he, like Joseph. Joseph had a four 
forerunner spirit. He went before everyone else to provide provision for the people so that a nation could be saved. And so uh, I'm going to read this from you in Psalms chapter 15, starting with verse 1. It says, God, who gets invited to dinner at your place? How do we get on your guest list? Now, I'm going to think about all the Facebook friends you have. You know, I have a lot of them, a couple hundred, whatever. Um, even though I know them, a lot of them I went to school with. A lot of them went to college with, some I served in the military with. They don't all come to my house to eat. Amen? And so what this is saying is, God, who gets, who gets to come to your place to have dinner? Who comes to sit at your table and eat? And, and he's talking about, really, you don't bring someone into your house to eat at your table unless it's a very intimate close relationship. Not everyone you work with comes to eat at your house. And he says, how do we get on your guest list? He says this, walk straight, act right, tell the truth. Don't hurt your friend. Don't blame your neighbor. Despise the despicable. And he says this, keep your word even when it costs you. Make an honest living and never take a bribe. If you live, if, if you'll never get blacklisted if you live like this. And so, you know, God says, act right. Don't hurt your friend. Don't blame your neighbor. And despise what is evil or despicable. And he says, that is how you get to sit at the Lord's table. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give, Lord God, as people of God. Father, not only that we would worship you in spirit and truth, Lord God, but with that we would develop the character of Christ. Father, I thank you for the gifts and anointings, Lord God, but it's the fruit of the Spirit that allows us to remain in the land, Lord God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this season and time, Lord God. I pray that you would bless the giver, Lord God. Father, that you would bring increase into their life, Lord God, and that you would provide provision for the vision. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, you may give. Well, it's a good day. Amen. Word says this is the day the Lord's made, and I'm going to be glad, and I'm going to rejoice in it, no matter how I'm feeling on the inside or on the outside, no matter what my feelings are, I'm going to rejoice and be glad in, in this day because it's the day the Lord's made. <clears throat> Today's good to see each of you. I believe we have uh, some great days ahead of us in spite of all the circumstances or situations that may surround our lives, we have good days ahead because God's on the throne and God's going to take care of it all. Amen? I, uh, sometimes you wonder in the midst of struggles or in the midst of times that we're facing, God, where are you in the midst of this? And I have to say that I believe God is right in the middle of everything that's going on in this world and uh, trying to bring change in a world that is upside down. And I believe that he's going to prevail. I believe that he's going to show himself mighty. And we're going to see God move on our behalf. And, and uh, today I'm going to begin to talk to you uh, from a story or passage in John chapter 4. A very familiar passage. <clears throat> if you've been in church <clears throat> any period of time, you heard the messages from this passage. You've heard teaching from this. And, and uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into this and we're going to look at it hopefully from a different perspective today 
and try to extract some things that I believe it can help every one of us move deeper into the things of God, but yet put us into a position that we begin to do what God wants us to do. So those of you that are here and those of you watching, if you would, get your Bibles and go to John chapter 4. Now, in this chapter, I'm not going to read uh, this whole chapter, but I, but I am going to uh, talk about it just a little bit to get us to the point where we need to be this morning and, and talking about uh, what I, where I want to take off at it. So in John chapter 4, we find that there is a, there's a moment where Jesus says to the disciples, he says, we have needs to go to Samaria. Now, that's a, a strange comment coming from uh, Christ. It's a strange comment coming from a Jew to start off with. They were, they were moving from one place, going back to Galilee. They were going back to um, a place where that, uh, Jesus' ministry uh, began, and uh, they were tired. But in a Jew's life in this time, they would not go through Samaria. Samaria was one of those places that the Jews would avoid. And they would go around that area to avoid going to that, to that city. Now, Jesus is saying we have needs to go to Samaria. Now, in our looking at this passage, we think that uh, Jesus is going to Samaria because he is going to minister to a woman at the well which he does. But this story has a twofold purpose. One purpose is that he does meet the woman at the well and he does minister to her and he begins to uh, uh, change her life just by a word that he begins to share with this woman at the well. But I believe that there is more to the story. John, as he's writing this, he's writing this possibly a decade or two after the live event takes place. So John is now taking a pen and he's writing from his memory, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that the Word of God is, a, is the inspired Word of the Holy Spirit? But he uses, he used men to write it, to script it. And so as they were being dealt with, they begin to pen the Word so that you and I, as we read the Word, can relate to what Jesus did and what God has done and how we can guide our life by indulging in the word of God. So, so here, here he is, he's, he's um, instructing his disciples, which are followers of Christ, which are, are going to be the apostles that's going to bring a movement to the earth. And Jesus now is saying, we have needs to go to Samaria. So that comment alone is a strange comment coming from a Jew that in their culture, they didn't want anything to do with Samaria, nor the Samaritans. Now, theologians say this, that there were 10 tribes that were, were lost, and they assume or they have written uh, uh, comments about possibly two of the tribes going to Samaria and in that taking lodging there and beginning to live there and intermingling in Samaria, marrying Samaritans and producing children that are, are, are Jew and Samaritans. And so when you're looking at the Samaritan world, 
you're looking at a place that the Jews are not wanting to go to. It, it would be like in our life knowing that there are certain neighborhoods that we don't need to be in. There are certain neighborhoods that we don't, we don't need to go to because of the uh, backlash or because of the crime rate or because of the, the drugs that are there. It's, it's a place that the Jews did not want to go to. And so in this story, we begin to find that there is a woman that comes to a well that's Jacob's well. It was dug by Jacob. It's a deep well. It's one that if you were to take a rock and drop it into the well, you would wait just a period of time before you'd hear the splash of water. It was a deep well. It was something that was, was um, potentially 70 to 80 feet deep. So you had to have a, a long rope to be able to draw water from this well. And Jesus comes and, and his disciples are leaving. They go into town. They're, they're, they're on an errand and, and Jesus is sitting at the well and here comes a woman at noon. Now the noon hour in this story begins to depict that this woman, this particular woman, was not accepted by the regular crowd. She wasn't accepted by the other women that was in Samaria. And it kind of portrays her coming at noon, not with the regular people, and she's not socializing with others because she's an outcast. The rest of the women, as they would come, would come early in the morning, and they would bring their pots and to fill their pots, and, and they would take the the pots that were full of water, put it on their head, and carry it back to their homes, their water for the day. Every morning they would come and draw their water. And it became a, a social event as, long, as much as getting supplies for their household that day. So they would come, put the water on their head, socialize with people, and begin to go back to the town, to the community, to their homes. This particular woman comes at noon, which tells us that she didn't have relationship with the other women in the city. Tells us that she was an outcast from what would be the normal. We, we understand as the story begins to unfold that this woman had a way with men. Jesus begins to speak to her and says, says, when you begin to draw some water, would you draw me some too? And, and she turns to him and says, you don't have anything to drink from. First off, she asks him a question. Why is it a Jew talking to a Samaritan, much less a man talking to a woman? This was out of character. This was something that, that if, you, if we were to get in the mind of this woman and begin to see how she's seeing the picture here, that Jesus, possibly in his speaking to her, she could misinterpret his questions from her perspective, thinking that Jesus possibly could be coming on to her. Now, I, I, I know that people would say Jesus would never, never do that, and I don't believe that he did, and I don't believe that he would, but I think that we have so um, 
looked at the word that we're not actually seeing it from her perspective. We're seeing it from his perspective that he's come to minister to the woman. He's come to set this woman free. He's come to deliver a message to her that, that would bring her into a relationship with God. We understand that, but can we take it for a moment just to look at her perspective? He says to her, will you draw me some water? She's at noon coming to a well, and he's a man, They're the only one there, and now here comes this woman, and it could be that she's interpreting this thing. He's a nice-looking guy. He's kind. He's nice. He's uh, presentable, and possibly he might be flirting with me a little bit. And she says, what are you doing talking to me as a man talking to a woman or a Jew talking to a Samaritan? She's got questions about this thing. She's got a wondering in her mind of what is actually taking place in this story. And so the woman, the Samaritan, she comes to draw water, and he says unto her, give me to drink. Jesus is trying to communicate to her that he has a water, he has something that is going to quench a thirst inside of her that she hasn't been able to quench as a result of her lifestyle. You know, many, many people, we, 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 we think in our life, if I could just get this job, if I could just get to this pay scale, if I could just get to that house, if I just get married, then that's going to quench a thirst that I have inside. And to find out later that when we go through these issues and when we have married and when we have gotten the job and we have all of the things that we thought was what we needed to fill the void inside, we find that we still have this void. This woman has an issue inside of her soul that cannot be extinguished by what she is involving herself in in life. Jesus begins to speak to her and says, draw me some water. Let me have some drink. And she says, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? He's trying to speak to a void that's inside when she's trying to deal with issues from the outside. Jesus is talking to her heart, and she's living in life with what she sees. What she sees that could appease the problem that is there. She begins to speak, and thou art greater than our father Jacob, which had, uh, gave us this well and drank thereof himself and, and his children, that's verse 14, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto her, unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. You know, in this conversation, there's a lot that's going on and a lot that you, we can perceive and look at. Jesus is trying to get to the core issue 
when the woman is actually trying to skirt many issues that are there, and she's saying, I want this water, but yet she's not understanding exactly what Jesus is trying to communicate to her. And Jesus said in verse 16, saith unto her, go call thy husband to come hither. In other words, let's have a conversation, and let's do this in the appropriate manner. Go get your husband, and we're going to sit down together, and we're going to talk about some issues. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says this comment, a truth. In other words, the people that were looking at the Samaritans were looking at them and saying, this Samaritan will lie their way out of confrontation. And he says to, to her, you've told the truth. And he says, in fact... You don't never had just one husband, but you've had five husbands, and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. Uh, you know, it's like um, an alcoholic. It's like a person that's addicted on drugs. They will, they will lie to get the issue off of where they are because they don't want to deal with the inner problem. They will lie about their situation so they can escape the confrontation. This woman had such internal issues that she's not wanting to disclose everything that's about her. And as Jesus is confronting the issue, he's not confronting the issues from the outside. He's confronting an issue that's internal inside of her. And the woman said unto her, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. You know, it was a struggle for her to come to that well at noon and know she wasn't accepted by other women. These other women didn't trust her around their husbands. Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and the one whom thou uh, is with is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. In other words, he was expecting in one aspect because of her background to begin to lie about her condition or her situation. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You know, after... After that she's confronted and after that he has dealt with an issue, she comes back and says to him, man, nobody, nobody knows that. Nobody, no, no Jews understand where I am. You've got to be a prophet. Only God could reveal to you uh, that I've gone through five marriages and the one that I'm with now was not my husband. And, and she begins to skirt it now. She says, I believe that you're a prophet. And then the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Isn't it interesting how that when people come and, and they're dealt with in their hearts, they're dealt with in their life, that we want to now get deep in philosophy and deep in theology to show what we know. And it becomes an argument. It becomes a place where that we want to show how deep we are when Jesus is not really concerned about how deep you are. He wants to know where your heart is. You see, you can, you can have a lot of understanding. You can have a lot of knowledge. But where are you with Christ? 
And Jesus saith unto her, in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when, he shall, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, he's saying to her, look, you can come to me with all of your theological understanding, all of your background, and all of your knowledge about how to worship, where to worship, who we need to worship. And he's saying, I really don't want to hear your theology. I don't want to hear how deep you might perceive that you are. Isn't it interesting how that in our life there are people that, that never want to connect with people they always want to correct people. You know, you can never get to a place of bringing correction until first you've made connection. So no wonder, no wonder people on the job don't want to hear what you have to say about how deep you are spiritually. It's because you've never connected with them. You've always wanting to correct them. You worship and you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But, but this, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and he, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, and he's, he's now saying to her, you can have all of your philosophy, and you can say, we worship in the mountains. We go to church in the mountains, and y'all worship over here. And Jesus is saying to her, you know what? It's coming a day that you're not going to be able to go to the mountains, and we're not going to go to Jerusalem to worship. In all reality, worship really comes out of your spirit. It's your relationship with him that matters. It's, it's what you have deep down inside. You know, I, I, look at, I look at people and I see this craving inside for something to be filled. And they're going here and buying this and buying that and, and looking for something to fill that void that is there. But only Jesus can fill that void. Jesus is the one that when we truly understand how to worship and how to pray and how to have that relationship with him, He's the only one that can fill that void that we've been looking all of our life to fill. Jesus is the way. He says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman saith unto him, I know that, must, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto you am he. Jesus is now bringing it down to all of her theology and all of her philosophy and the knowledge that she has. They're looking for the Messiah, but they don't even recognize who he is. I wonder how many people today are looking for the Messiah, but they wouldn't recognize him if they were sitting, if he was sitting at the well that you were drawing from. This woman had such an internal issue that she didn't even recognize the Christ when he was asking her to draw some water for him. It was only when he began through a word of knowledge, began to speak to her and say, you have five husbands and the one that you're with is not your husband now. And she says, whoa. 
this has got to be a prophet here because nobody knows this except God. Verse 27, and upon this came his disciples. I'm, I'm, I'm saying all of this because Jesus is ministering to a woman that the Jews despised because of her culture, because of her background, because of her nationality. She was a Samaritan woman. Now, that was one objective that Jesus was going there for. But the more important objective here is that Jesus is actually using this woman to teach his disciples that are going to be his apostles for the ultimate purpose of spreading the gospel to every creature. It goes on in verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou to her? Now, it would be interesting as a student that if I'm in class and I don't understand why the instructor or my teacher is doing something to sit there and not ask a question. I, I, I believe that in our life that, that we're really not looking for knowledge. In fact, the word says that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We're not looking and we're not search, searching for knowledge to change our lives. We're looking at the circumstances or situations that surround us. So the disciples now have come back from town and they're seeing him talk to a Samaritan woman, which the Jews would have not talked to. First off, they would have avoided the city and would have walked miles to go around it to avoid dealing and coming in contact with the Samaritans. And Jesus is sitting at a well talking to a woman and the disciples are now coming and they're seeing him and they're not asking the question, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? This is John writing this after the live event and now he's, he's writing down his thoughts that are being inspired by the Holy Spirit that's now asking questions after the moment, why didn't we ask these questions? Why didn't we come to him and say, why are you talking to the Samaritan woman? What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? And the woman then left her water pot. What was important to her in that moment, she now leaves because something else changed or something changed in her that her water for the day was no longer important to her, and she leaves her water pot. The woman that left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. <laughs> Would you get this picture? This woman never had a problem in being able to communicate to men. But she has always had a problem in men being able to read her and minister to the depth of her heart. So she's never been able, she's always been able to communicate to men, but she's never found a man to be able to communicate with her. 
The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, which was not very far off, and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? See, in this community, people understood because of the Jewish heritage that now mingled with the Samaritan heritage, they understood that the Messiah was coming. And they were looking for the Messiah. They, they went to church, they worshiped, but yet they didn't know what they were worshiping. He says, but he said unto them, is, is this not the Christ? Then, then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Now, this is a, this is a crazy story that we can, we, we can look at and begin to break down. Jesus, the disciples go into the town to get some meat for them to eat. They come back and they see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, which was totally against their belief system, against their thought. It was against the, what, what they were raised with. And they see him talking to a Samaritan. Now remember, there's a twofold meaning to the story. One is he's going to minister to the Samaritan, but the other part of it is he's teaching his disciples and he's dealing with a concept and dealing with a mindset that was in them, and in order for them to go forward in the kingdom, that mindset had to be broken. And Jesus saying, we must go unto, we, we have needs to go to Samaria. And the disciples are, are, are wondering, why are we going to Samaria? The need is that there is a mindset that needs to be broken in the disciples. And Jesus knows that there's a woman coming to a well and he's using this woman to teach the disciples, if you're going to go forward with me, you've got to change your mindset. He says, then, then he went out, they went out of the city and they came unto him. And in the meanwhile, the disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And they begin to question. Therefore, his disciples said one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And why, uh, this is just me paraphrasing this, and why did they tell us? Why didn't they bring us a lunch too? It's interesting how, how people think. Why, why, why did they get invited and I didn't get invited? Why, why did I not get to go to where everybody else was going? The disciples are in a place that they think they're all it, because they're hanging out with Jesus. But Jesus is trying to deal with a concept or a, a mindset or a way of thinking that they had, and he's trying to break it out of them so they can do what God's called them to do. Why didn't somebody bring us a lunch? Did somebody bring him something to eat? Did, did somebody do something that we didn't know? Therefore his disciples said one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Wow. The disciples were coming back and saying, Hey man, should we just go to Chick-fil-A? 
pick us up something to eat. I mean, we're all hungry here. Should we, should we, should we go to uh, Popeye's and get us some, some chicken or something and, 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 and fill our belly? Jesus, you know, you've you got to be hungry too. And he's saying to them, I'm not interested in the food that you're craving. I'm interested in what the Father has given me, and that's what I'm living off. That's what sustains me. That, that's what drives me is what the Father wants me to do. The disciples, I think, in their mind, is in a quandary of what Jesus is talking about. First off, why is he in Samaria? Number two, why is he talking to this woman? And now why is the whole city coming out? Who, who told Jesus who told people about Jesus? Who told everyone that he's here at the table or at this well? And why now is the whole city? And Jesus said to them, the meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white, all ready to harvest. Jesus is trying to teach the disciples to not look at people through their cultured eyes, but look at people through the eyes of God and begin to see them as a soul that needs to be saved. He's saying to the disciples, guys, you have a problem and you want to debate and you want to argue over your theology and in all reality, you're not relatable to the people that are hurting. And he's saying you're going to need to change your concept. You're going to have to change the way you think if you're going to walk any further with me. Now, he's not saying these words, but he, he's trying to teach his disciples that if you're going to do what the Father wants you to do, then you're going to have to take all the blinders off of your eyes and be able to see what I see. Jesus comes to a well, and he sees a woman that has an internal problem, not an external problem. She's coming to get water, but she's rejected. She's an outcast from the city. She's an outcast from all the women that know what type of woman she is. She goes back to the city after Jesus begins to describe her life, and she speaks to all the men, which are the leaders of the city. Possibly she's been with a few of them. And she says, come see a man that now has touched something that's deep down inside of me that I've been craving to be touched. And I have, I have done everything in my power to satisfy that need. And I thought that it was all in the men that were in the city. In reality, it wasn't in any of y'all. And none of you could supply the need that I have to change this hurting heart that I have. 
So come see a man that told me everything that I have ever done. Now, get the picture of what the disciples are seeing. They're not only seeing Jesus serving this woman and touching the innermost need that she has inside and changing her life like that. But they're now observing as they're looking up a crowd of people that is coming from that town to see a man that was able to meet an internal need that nobody in that city could ever meet. They knew her. They knew about her. They knew everything about her life. This is why she was rejected. This is why she came at noon to get water because of the words and the things that people said about her she didn't want to deal with in the social clubs. Bev and I, we were had a restaurant just recently just to sit down and get us a quick meal. And, and um, Bev had stepped in a little bit after I had already gotten the table. And, and when she sat down, I said, boy, this is entertainment in here today. And she says, what do you mean? I said, just listen. And we were sitting right next to a table or six feet from a table. And you can hear one old biddy in the midst of this cluster of biddies tearing down every person that she had in her life. I wonder if, if the people that, that knew her, that her, would hear what she had to say about them, if there would ever be a relationship with her ever again, that she was tearing everybody in her life down. And the others were jumping in on it. It was like chickens that found blood on one chicken, and they just started pecking away and pecking away. You know, a chicken, if you find blood on another chicken, they will start pecking away on that blood until actually they kill that other chicken. I believe that this Samaritan woman had been pecked on so much that she removed herself from the social crowd of coming out early in the morning to get, get water for her household and decided, I'll just be the outcast. Let them talk about me, but I don't want to hear it anymore. And came in with a need that was internal. You see, every one of us were born with a desire to have Christ in our life. But not all of us have been exposed to the answer. And so as a result of not being exposed to the answer, we're looking for something to supply and to meet that need that is internal. And we think that external things is going to satisfy. So we go buy the new car. We go buy the new house. We go buy all these various different things. And we get married and we have children. Well, if I get married, that's going to satisfy. And we find that that doesn't satisfy. Well, maybe it's children. We'll have children. And we find that the children doesn't satisfy that internal need. And we're just walking through life with this internal need that nothing is able to supply what I need to bring peace in that area. That's where this woman was. And I believe there are many people that are watching today that maybe that's where you are. There's a need that's deep down inside that you're looking for something to satisfy 
that need. Well, maybe I just go hang out with the guys. Maybe I'll just hang out with the girls. Maybe I'll go, I'll do, I'll have. And we find that that doesn't supply the need and that doesn't meet the need because there's an internal issue that we haven't met yet. And Jesus comes right into the point and he says, there's an internal issue that's inside of you that needs to be changed. And he says, you've come to draw water and you've been drawing water every day and it hasn't satisfied your need. He says, but I have water that will change your life. And out of your belly, out of your soul, out of your innermost area, you'll begin to flow like a spring coming up out of you. You see, our problems are not external. Our problems, when you really get down to it, it's not what somebody said or somebody done to us. It's what we have in here that makes us happy no matter if people are talking about us or talking to us. It's what we have that's internal, that's craving a relationship with God. It's craving a relationship with the master. It's craving a relationship with our creator. You know, I, when I was a youth pastor, we dealt with a lot of kids and a lot of teenagers. And one of the things that, that I saw in dealing with young people was that there was something that was vacant in a child that didn't feel love from their parents. Or maybe there was an absentee father, or maybe there is a mother that was taken out of life and it was all, all created in the heart that they're looking for somebody to love them. Every one of us has this desire to know who our God is, just as people that have lost a parent or rejected by family is having a craving to be accepted or to know who their father, their mother, who they are. And they'll go through big extremes to try to find out or try to make a connection. We've got, we've got uh, all these DNA tests to find out what our linkage is, where we came from. You know, you might not ever find out where you came from. And that may, may be important to you, but I'm going to tell you what's going to be more important than knowing where you came from is knowing where you're going knowing that you have a bright future, knowing what God says about you, knowing that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but, but to redeem the world. This woman at, at the well had a craving inside, and inside it couldn't be uh, extinguished by anything or anybody in this earth. Only Jesus could meet that need. And I'm here to tell you today that Whatever need that you have deep down inside, I'm not talking about your need for, for, for finances or need for a house or need, where is it coming from? Paul says, I have learned to be satisfied in whatever state that I'm in. I've learned how to accept 
my life, whether I've got wealth or whether I'm poor, it doesn't matter because there was an internal area that was met, that was satisfied, that the world can never satisfy. So Paul in his writing says, I've learned to be a base. I've learned how to deal with problems in this world. And his answer to being able to do that is the Christ in him. There's a lot of things that we can handle and deal with on a better way, in a better way if that internal desire is met. You see, today is a good day to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Today is a good day to receive him in your life to meet the need that nothing else can satisfy. Only Jesus can meet that internal desire. The other part that Jesus is dealing with, he's saying, you know what? You'll never be able to do what you can't see. He's talking to his disciples and saying, I have something that's feeding me that you don't know about. And he's telling his disciples, if you're going to follow after me and do what the Father is calling you to do, then you're going to have to see something you have never seen before. You know, it wasn't too long ago I went to an eye doctor and I, sat down at the eye doctor, which I hadn't been in a long time. And they sit, put drops in your eyes, and it's almost as though you can't see because of the glare of the light. You're so dilated. That, and then they put you in front of a machine that blows air in your eyes, and, man, it shocks you, and it's like, what's going on here? What are you doing? And it's taking the pressure of your eye to find if you might have some kind of disease or something. And then, and then all of us have sat at the table where they put that, that deal on your eyes and they start turning things and they start saying, is one better than two? Is two better than three? And they keep adjusting. Now go to your left eye and block your right eye. Is one better than two? Two better than one or three better? And, and, and then they get to a place that they, they're writing things down on the paper. They give it to the doctor and the doctor says, well, the problem that you have is you're nearsighted. And in our mind, we're thinking nearsighted. No, I can see everything up close. My problem is I can't see far off. So their description of what's wrong in your life is they're telling you what you're good at, not what is wrong with you. The reality of it is if I can't see afar off, but I can see up close, I'm nearsighted. But I want to deal with the problem that I can't see out there. You see, until we're able to see further than our problem, when we're able to see outside of our circumstances and begin to see what God is doing, you know, it's, it's interesting in this year, the events that have taken place. We've got, we've got one person that, uh, that, that uh, parents wouldn't want their daughters to be with because of what might take place in, in their life, but now is, is leading choirs and preaching and saying Jesus is king. Wow. What a turn of events 
that we're having people that are very noted amongst the world with their music and their, their, their programming, and they're declaring Jesus is king. When they, and we have a pandemic that's taking place, and we've got hatred that's going all over the world. Could it be that God is in the middle of what's taking place in our world, but we're so nearsighted that we can't see what God is calling us to do in the midst of our problem. Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, you're going to have to see beyond your nose to win the world. You're going to have to see beyond the pandemic to win the world. You're going to have to see beyond your little viewpoint. You're nearsighted. What is the big picture? What is God saying in the midst of all that we're walking through and what we're doing? He's saying, it's time to go to work because the harvest is ready. We're living in a world that Jesus was describing in John chapter 4. He's saying, look, look at, look at the fields. Look at how everything is ready for harvest, are you going to be one that is going to go gather the harvest? He said, man, guys, I told you I was going to make you fisher of men. He said, but you can't get past your prejudice to see the heart and the lives of other people, to even go to work, to have relationship with people before you correct them. Make a connection with people before you bring your theology in. Make a connection with people that they can trust you and they can see God working in and through your life before, before you throw your theology book down and start trying to bring correction. People don't want to be corrected. They want to be connected with. God is not looking for people that are perfect. He's looking for people that know their direction. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, guys, you don't know your direction yet. You're trying to make everything and everybody perfect when in all reality, all you have to do is make a connection with the inner part of their life where they're hurting, and then you can start help bringing correction. Jesus says to this woman, you have truly said you don't have a husband, but you have gone from one marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage to the next marriage trying to find something to fill that void, and none of it has worked and you've given up on marriage, and you've just decided to live with someone, and maybe that will help. And Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah. The one that talks to you today is the Messiah. And she goes and tells all the people in the city, and the men and the women came to see who this man was, that met a need inside of this woman that no one else could meet. 
You see, the purpose of a believer is not to be judgmental and not to bring correction to people and not to gossip about people and not to take things to the extremes about people, but to look through the eyes of Christ and see a need that is internal and bring a message, bring love to them, bring a caring hand to them. Yeah, people make mistakes, but people make mistakes in trying to find something to fill that void that's in their soul. And as a believer, we don't need to be so religious that we run people away. We need to be so relatable and let them know what Jesus did in our life. Where would we be today if it wasn't for Christ coming into our heart? Let's get real with it because many people would be strung out on drugs. Many people would be alcoholics. Many people would be doing what this woman did in the Word. Many people would be searching for some kind of hope, trying to find something that would fill that internal void. But somebody came to you in love and shared Christ with you. And as a result of it, it has changed your life. Why become so pious and so religious when we're dealing with people that are in what we came out of, why can't we be sensitive to their needs and touch their life so they can have eternal life with God? Today, I want to challenge you. If you're looking to fill an internal void, Jesus is your answer. If you're looking to win your family, Quit being so stinking religious and just get real and love them into the kingdom. Today, I hope that you've gotten something from this message. Today, I believe that God is challenging us like never before. The harvest is ready. It's ripe. And there needs to be workers that are not just praying about something, but are ready to do something about what they're praying for. You see, there's no need to prophesy and there's no need to pray about something that you're not willing to invest yourself in. It's time for the church to wake up open our eyes, and go to work. I want to pray with you. Father, I ask you right now that you'd begin to touch everyone that's listening, either through this broadcast or those that are here today. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you begin to touch our lives. And if there's anyone that is watching today that has an internal issue in their heart, I ask you, God, that you would touch them and heal them every hurt that is there, every need that they have tried to satisfy through something, but still that void is there. Touch them today, oh God. Father, as they call upon you to come into their heart and to, to accept you as their Savior, Lord, satisfy that need 
that craving that they have. And Father, for the church, help us to open our eyes that we're not nearsighted, but we can see what you're doing in the midst of all of the problems that we're seeing in this world. Help us today that we can see people through your eyes, that we can touch people's lives how you would touch them. Father, move upon us. And Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next time.